Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting-edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is your host, Stefan, with Platforms here and our podcast, the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast, where we interview the best of the best in terms of marketing and sales in the pharma world. And today I have a wonderful guest. Who finally have someone doing marketing because it's always sales, 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 market access. It's for me personally, it's really, I have warm feelings. I have fuzzy feelings because I will be talking to Hazem El Sayed and he works for Biomedium and he is covering several markets as a marketing leader, about which I'm very excited to learn about uh, his experience and learn from him. So, Hazem, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen, so much. So happy to be here and uh, so excited for this podcast. Awesome. So listen, tell me more about your, give me a little bit of an intro about your position in the company. So like you're sort of targeting several markets, right? Like from, because I know you're in Dubai. Tell me more about where you go and what you're. Okay. So now I'm marketing manager for Biomedial. I'm responsible mainly for a line called Molecular Biology. So Biomedial is a French-based company and it's a market leader in diagnostic field. So in microbiology and molecular biology, in all this field of, let's say, diagnostic covering, it's a huge region of around 25 countries, which is called Middle East, Turkey, and Russia. And Middle East here, it's a part of, let's say, Gulf, Levant, including Pakistan as well for Asia, and Caucasus area, and Turkey and Russia as well. So I guess it's a big region, but it's really exciting to work with different, you know, maturity markets, different level of maturity, you experience all level of, let's say, marketing degrees of strategy implementation in each market. It's marketed different than the other. So it's pretty exciting to work with different region and with different maturity grads in the, in marketing and in product adoption as well. So before by me, I was working in Sanofi as well in the pharmaceutical field. So I merged between pharmaceutical and IVD, which is embedded to diagnostic. I was a marketing manager in Sanofi. Before marketing manager, I was a brand manager. And before that, I was a project manager. So I experienced a good career in Sanofi. And before that, I was an AstraZeneca. And the first company I joined, it was Janssen. So we started from Janssen, AstraZeneca, Sanofi. And then I decided to move to IVD companies after COVID. With all people know about diagnosis now and the importance of diagnosis. So I found that it's a good opportunity to learn about this market and this area. Yeah. So about my job, it's mainly, it's marketing strategy development. So I'm developing the marketing strategy for my cluster, implementing it, executing it with the teams. I have a team of two marketers, one in Russia and one in Turkey, and as well, I'm collaborating with all the stakeholders here from sales, medical compliance, but the more point that, the, or the, let's say the extra point I added to my career path in this industry, which is IPD, is that I'm dealing more and more with distributors. So in pharma, we don't have that much of distributor. We have our sales team, 
but now we have a wolf and for, for, for influential leadership also in distributors because most of my area is covered by distributor based model, except Russian Turkey was covered many by me as subsidiary. So yeah, it's exciting moving between the two industries and experience different level of marketing techniques and techniques in in my career. Yeah. Okay, th this is really good insight. So you mentioned something about like different markets have different approaches. Like <clears throat> so, you're targeting what is Russia, Turkey. Um, can you share maybe some specific examples and please be as specific as possible about like some marketing strategies you mentioned that you are leading marketing strategy tactics about something that you've implemented in different markets. Maybe you could do two examples. So like our listeners could understand the difference in approach and could learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So if you talked about Middle East, we're talking about let's say Gulf countries, which is a bulk of uh, Middle East and what it was. So you're talking about Saudi, UAE, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, most, most of these countries are sharing the same platform or sharing the same purchasing power and with some very minimal differentiation between them, but more or less are the same in, in, in let's say marketing tactics and the strategies. So we mainly go with, with, let's say market penetration in this, in this market, it's easier for registration. We don't have really local competition in this market, especially with IVD industries. Maybe it's the fund environment nowadays with local manufacturers to, to emerge and merge more and more in this market. But for IVD, it's mainly based on export, uh, export from outside. So it's mainly the, you, you have the competition, but from international competition, like always. So there is no local, let's say manufacturing from IVD. So. It's completely different strategy where we go somehow with premium price because it's export based and the economy of the country help you is going with this, with this premium pricing and the insurance policies in these countries as well as it's favoring that. And you have a very, let's say strong and robust insurance coverage in these countries. So it's different than going, let's say to Turkey and Russia, Turkey and Russia, you have a local manufacturing, a huge local manufacturing there. We are competing with some companies that may even may be supported by the government because they want to encourage their local manufacturing and that's completely the rights. If I were them, I would really cover, I would really push for local manufacturing. So you are mainly here talking about the quality of your product versus the local manufactured one and talking mainly about, uh, let's say the added benefit, uh, added value of your product. Whereas, uh, let's say technical performance of your machine, few solutions versus other in local manufacturing, you're trying to adopt somehow by having some parts of your products, maybe local manufactured in the country, so you can decrease the cost of uh, your products. So it's two completely different strategies than what you are applying in Gulf. If you go to a market like Pakistan, where the country are facing a lot of pandemics and a lot of epidemics more than COVID, like uh, dengue, like whatever the dynamic that we see in Pakistan. Yes. So you go differently with, with a charity, even hospitals. So you put part of corporate social responsibility in that because we are responsible in front of the patient, you are responsible in front of all your end customer that you need to provide the best solutions that you can with the company, the country that really deserves to have this support. So you play part of social corporate responsibility and sometimes they give I'm not going to say charity because it's not really pure charity, but you're giving a price that really can afford and 
every patient can reach out to the payment solution that you can offer and you can help the country to get over this epidemic and, and the infectious disease that you have. You have huge issues with infectious disease, so you're trying to do that, your best to do that. So it's completely different, let's say, marketing strategies that sometimes you go with market access. So in Gulf region, we'll go now, we we'll start to invest more and more in market access because we are receiving somehow rejection from insurance after COVID because most of the government are being too much in COVID and, you know, most of the government will not really reimbursing everything about COVID 100%, especially in Gulf. So they paid a lot and we understand that they are suffering somehow from financial issues. So they are going very, let's say, deep negotiation with pricing and reimbursement. So we're trying to go with market access and to understand that and to influence the guidelines and to influence, let's say, the decision makers about the value of our solution, not just price versus price. So we're talking about value-based model, not price-based model. So yeah, it's completely different, I have to say. So this is like a general example of how we approach each market of, uh, of the region differently is. So basically you're saying that well, we're doing more, investing more into market, in, more into market access. It, it's actually aligns a lot with what I'm hearing from other guests as well. Market just starts to play a bigger role. And also the value-based model, that's also something very, very common. Yeah. yeah. We're even developing something called value-based training. So our training is not mainly about product specs or product features and benefits. No, now we are moving to the next step or next degree that we need to train our people on the value-based of our solution because we found that, yes, our governments are really keen about the budget, but when they see the value-based of the solution versus the value base of other solutions, which is the quality and the quality of life, they, they, they start to put this in, in perspective. So they are experts now, even in the governmental side, they are so much expert in the market access and for macroeconomics or cost effectiveness models. They are experts in that and they respect if you're going and talk with them about the cost effectiveness model of your solution, then just price versus price or value versus value. What is the cost effectiveness of the soil? Solutions. They're respecting that. They understand that there is a good calipers now in most of the governments that we're dealing with that they really understand this uh, language. So we're trying to adopt it. Yes. Okay. I have a question. So our guests don't know, but I've asked Hazem about CLM. And CLM, for those who don't know, it's basically an automation used for marketing. It's called closed loop marketing. And while traveling in Asia, I've seen that not many companies actually use the benefits of, of a closed loop marketing like system automation, which we found incredibly useful since, well, as many of you maybe know, I came from the SaaS world, software as a service, where basically uh, marketing automation is everything and where basically content plays a very, very big role in educating, in our case, doctors and, and medical representatives, right? And my question would be, so you have, you obviously get data, like doctor data and other sort of data and analytics. And how, basically how does that help you and how do you use that data to improve your like marketing efforts, marketing strategy? So I'm 100% agree that, uh, and this is my belief that the marketing without data is like you work blindly. So if you work blindly, you don't know the customer, you don't know where you are hitting, you are losing resources. And um, resources is not mainly people or, or budget, it's you're losing, you're losing as well time and effort. And, uh, 
where you can really better utilize it. So without data, it's like you're working blindly. So we are using in some markets, uh, CRM. So uh, if it's CRM, it's, let's say it's the first step of, I think it's, it's, it's more even advanced than more than CRM, but CRM for us, it's really, it's really quite enough at this level. So I'm here, I'm going to talk about that, that, how we deal with data across even pharma or across an IBD, the industry, but the data, how much data is, is really important to us. So that has really giving us uh, insights of where we can best utilize our resources based on this data. So you have this amount of money that you need to invest, but which market on which product line that you need to invest more than the other one. So based on this data, that gives you the opportunity. So CRM giving, given us even the opportunity percent. So let's see success rate of this opportunity based on the input that we put, like tenders, like how many competitors in the tenders, based on many inputs that we have put in CRM, it gives us output of the percent of success in this opportunity. So you can really base on that and decide, deciding which having the higher grade of success and you go on the rest on that. Doesn't, does it really eliminate uh, the part of human perception or let's say human judgment? No, but it helps you a lot. So sometimes the system is giving you a percent of success, but you think, or you know, from your experience in the market that, yeah, it can work, but this is a factor that you cannot really input in the system that will not work because people say that, okay, systems are nice and that are nice, but we know the market better than that. And we can take our decision better than that. It's yes and no. So it has to be combined together. We cannot depend 100% on the data and, uh, and system, and we cannot depend 100% on our perception of the market or our experience and experts in, in, in the market that we're dealing with. So we have to combine both together to, in order to take the right decision of investment, the right decision of uh, utilization of resources in terms of uh, time, uh, money, people, FTEs, everything. And I had, I had a good example on that. So if I can share it with, uh, with you here in the podcast, so in my previous work in pharma, and so we used to have a line that it was like a backbone of the business unit. And if you look at that, you will say that for sure, I would put all my resources in this line because it's the backbone of the, this business unit. And I have to put the resources. I have to put the people, I have to put the money there. But at the same time, there was a new launch of a new product that came into this pipeline. It's not really a game changing launch, but it's a product launch that it can give us some revenue. So I was requested as being a marketing manager is that how to manage between the two lines. Here is the backbone that brings us all the money and here is the product launch that, but we cannot really put extra FTEs in that. So we need to manage within the FTEs that we have right now. Okay. So what we did is that we go into discussion, we go into market surveys, we go in so many steps to understand how much of the resources we really need in this product that really uh, as a backbone of the business journey. And by asking question, asking question, and based on our experience, based on the data that we get from the market research, from the system that we have, CRM system at that time, we found that whenever you apply a specific guidelines, okay, it's a risk management guidelines inside the hospital, and you are making sure that this hospital is compliant 100% on that, you can easily leave this hospital without a sales rep that covering this hospital, because once it's 100% compliant with this risk management, if 
any healthcare professional didn't really oblige by these guidelines, there might be a legal responsibility on that. So mm-hmm. once you are sure that it's 100 compliant, then you can leave this hostel freely, which just follow up every couple of months or every month. Just to follow up that you say, that you make sure that this hostel is really on track and nothing deviated. And we thought that we can save FTEs by doing that. So it was like a different degrees of, of project based on the data that we had from the, from the sales, let's say sales visit to the each type of hospital that has the guidelines implemented. And we find that the sales, it was like organic sales, organic, because it's already implemented 100%. See, there is nothing to do extra mile. Yeah. So just the organic loss of this hospital. From this data, we know that if we left it just for a follow-up, then we can utilize this FTEs in the new line. And we did that. So we even make 100% replacement of the FTEs with the digital with the digital marketing. So instead of having someone to go and uh, visit the hospital, no, we'll compensate all of that with emails, with uh, WhatsApp, with uh, webinars, with all of that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so we take it even to a different direction that we applied this go-to-market model to the full business channel. How can we use the digital marketing? And we use it really in a very, very, let's say, granular analysis that each email, we did this analysis with our business intelligence team, how much each email represent in actual visit. Like if I send this email, how much it does reflect in the actual visit. And for example, if we say that one email equal 0.2 of actual face-to-face visit, that's mean you need to send five emails to get one actual face-to-face visit. So it was like that. It's for sure the percentage, I, I, it's not up to my mind right now, but just an example. And email was different than webinar, email was different than let's say SMS or WhatsApp. So we did all of that. So we started first on one line and then we said, why not to apply it as a go-to-market model for this business unit overall. So we did all of that for the go-to-market model. And we best utilize our FTEs to the best line on product line that can really need people face to face. But for this line, we thought that as long as, and we put it in phases, this phase will complete the guidelines in this type of hospital, and then we will shift it completely into digital. And the next phase will complete the guidelines, this group of hospital. And after that, we're gonna continue with digital. And it worked. So we saved FTEs for the new launch, which was successful. And the new line, uh, the old line, which is the backbone of the business unit, it continued growing and yeah, it worked. So it's all started with the data that we had from the system. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you this, let's say the models that you've, I've used before, like it's called like lead scoring. So in New York, in our case, that will be like maybe doctor scoring. So each engagement, you would give it a, a point, 0.1, 0.2. So. Let's yeah. say if a doctor visited your website, well, you can't say, you can don't know that because of GDPR, but you can know that if the doctor opened three of your emails, there is certainly he's more indoct, I would call the word indoctrinated with your yeah, indoctrination in this case. Yeah. yeah. And the same goes about webinars. Like you, if you ask them to subscribe to the webinar, so then of course you will know that certain doctor or medical rep or will be there, then again, you can sort of increase their leads, their lead scoring model, their number, which means <clears throat> technically it means that they are more, more of your ambassador. 
And yeah. this is a this is a popular model. And to be honest, I don't know why in far like yours truly innovational, I guess, because you're the first person that who I'm talking to who actually knows how this works and actually uses it. Digital is very, very like outdated in, in terms of pharma. So yeah, it thank, is. thank you for being a guest here. It's like, I, I hope our audience can learn a little bit from Hazem on this one. Thank you. If, because people don't, even if they buy Vivas and IQVS, they still don't know how to, to use a seal. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Jesus, guys, you can save so much time. So much time you can save from your sales force. Yeah. So they don't go out there, like, just ask for a meeting every three or four weeks. Those doctors will be like, oh, dude, again, this guy, again, this, again, this lady, you know, you exactly. can, you can use digital marketing to like nurture them, nurture their relationship with online as well. Like, I can have a comment on that because it's in sure. pharma, because yeah. I started my career in sales, so I was using that in sales and which sales are actually the people who input the data to the CRM and this system, and then you analyze it as marketing. I noticed one thing and I was taking care of it when I was a marketer that when you, when you try to complicate the process of inputting the data and requires too much data, I know that too much data is very important, but there's a very thin line between in, enough data and too much data. So this is thin line. If it cuts it, then sales team will be bothered, will be bold about using the system and you will find the input are not really qualitative enough. So, and. Based on input, you will get the output, which is really not matching the reality and what not matching the real ground, what's happening. So try to simplify the input that sales team are putting in the CRM. So you get quality of data that you can base on it. You don't need to get everything at once, but start simple with simplifying the process to the sales team because simplifying will give them uh, power and they try to gami get gamified or let's say encourage them by whatever the reason that they can go. Don't consider it. It's a part of their job and we pay them for that. Yes, but they will find a way to put or get an input data, which we, you don't think it's matching the reality or it's not really quite quality, qualitative. So try to simplify it. So you get the quality data that you want from sales and based on that, you will get an output data, which is high quality that you can depend on it. This is the main message of CRM or any marketing tools. Okay. So I'll tell you this. Yeah. So I don't know if you watch Netflix or not. I watch it sometimes, but there is this movie called painkiller. It's about, yeah. Oh, okay. Watch. Just, just, just watch it and doing one, one of my flights. Yes. Yeah. Actually I was flying from, what was that from the Philippines and we were in a conference, met conference and then I started watching it. I was like, wow, it's really good. It basically shows the the outside world of pharma or non-pharma people. And why I'm bringing this on. So for our listeners, it's about painkiller. It's a series, very short. It's about a Purdue Pharma who created OxyContin and how they marketed and sold the drug. It was really innovational at, at that time. And now because of, well, allegedly they started the opioid crisis in, in the United States. And allegedly that was one of the reasons that Pharma regulations became very, very strict in terms of like bribery and so on in the U.S. and in the whole Western world. Now, what we're seeing is that, for example, in, as far as I know, if a sales, uh, well, a, a field rep goes to a doctor in, in the United States, in the West, Western world, 
he or she is not even allowed to use notes, to make even notes. And that is a big burden in terms of like data. You don't have whatever he or she remembers after the call, they might use it, but they're not allowed to make notes. This is like, yeah, because I don't know what the regulations in, in the countries you are leading with, but basically it cuts out all the data. Like you want to sort of nurture digitally the, the lead, but if sales does not bring you data from the field regarding what that, you know, we're not even talking about what the sort of drugs that does the doctor prescribe. We're talking about what sort of content would the doctor consume to make a, an educated decision. So my question would be here, how do you go about this? Like if like sales force doesn't bring you like enough data to sort of categorize and nurture these, what, what do you do? Do you have a workaround? So I can say that what I'm currently thinking right now is that because in, 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 in my new field, we don't really have a sales team that working with our, let's say, as I said, it's distributor based model. So we mainly depend on the sales team of the distributor. So I'm trying to help as much as I can to get the right data for them. So one thing it can go also with some digital platforms. So there is a digital platform they applied here and they start to even go further and further in Europe and US, which is like, if you can simplify it, it's like Facebook for doctors. So it's, oh. it's a social platform, but HCPs only, and they are making sure that whoever registered there, it's an HSP. So I'm sorry. Can you give me yeah, a minute? Like just for, for the it's, hour. It's called, it's called mid synapse. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is actually the name here in the region. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not really affiliated with them or something, but so I just sit with the people and I saw the platform. I know that they are progressing more and more. So it's like a social network for doctor where they go interact with each other. And there is even pages that can be sponsored by pharma companies or IVD companies that you can push your content okay. and to see the interaction with the doctors there. So I tend to believe that people behind the keyboards are more realistic than meeting them face to face. So behind the keyboard, they get all out sort of inside the chest outside. So you know them better and better from behind the keyboard. So from the level of interaction, from the level of the discussion, I have to say that I didn't get to the level of being on, on this platform, but just giving them, giving the, 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 the audience an insight that there might be another platform that can work like that. So you can get an analysis, how your QL and how your doctors are interacting on the scientific content, because it's easy to be interacted on our yeah, laptop, mobile. So once you are making it easier, it doesn't need face to face then you'll find it's more interaction, more interaction. So this is one part. The other part is you go by yourself. So yes, so at least, yeah, it's not easy, but I tend always to believe that marketing are the voice of the customer inside the company. So your customer, the marketing are the only one who is defending the voice of the customer, who is transferring to the management, the customer to the, what they are saying, because you're seeing the customer differently than sales even. So. You're seeing him as a long-term relationship. You're seeing him as a long-term, let's say, business and even personal relationship with him. So you don't for a long relationships and sales, which are mainly focusing on a short-term relationship. So when you go and visit a customer by yourself, it will never be compensated by anything else. So Martin has to go visit the customer, at least to the top of them. If you find that 
the sales are not giving you a quality of inputs, or even if you find that the sales are giving you quality of inputs, your perspective and your opinion and the vision of the customer feedback are really valuable. So what you're doing, you cannot base your marketing strategy based only on sales input and sales opinion. You have to go check with the customer, talk with them, meet them in a conference, meet them in uh, seminars, start the discussion with them. And from them, you're going to know, and you're going to enrich your strategy more and more and some more alteration to your strategy and your tactics. So this is the way, so mass attention, it will be sure if you are not, if you are not really see that sales are giving the quality. One part is that I have to comment on that. Yes, it can happen that the sales team cannot, you think that it's not a quality input, but again, there are the people that work with you and you have to let them know what is the outcome. Sometimes sales are disengaged from the process because they don't know if I brought all of this outcome, what will be the results? They are disengaged from that. They are disengaged from what's happening in the office. So yeah. they have to see the full process based on your outcome, based on your input that you put and you give it to me. That happened. This strategy has been altered. This tactics has been created or canceled or modified. Mm -hmm. And we will aim to do that on that and that. If they kept disengaged, I just give them tasks that I need this input. I need this feedback. I need this, but they didn't get the, the end result. You will not get the quality because they don't see it. If you don't see it, you don't feel it. You don't own it. So they have to own the process. They have to know that their role is very critical and without the input and without the quality data that they provide, we cannot really support them back in the field. We will be talking in two different levels. I'm speaking over the cloud as marketers and you're speaking in the ground and you think that marketers does not understand what's happening. But if you connect these dots, then you will find that the input and the quality of input they give, it results in a better support for marketing and for management to their customers. Yeah. So I believe it come in number one first and then come to <laughs> social media or let's say digital. Uh, platform, and then it comes to that you have to go and visit also your customer. Okay. My question would be at this, how do you like, apparently you're very good with technology. Like how do you stay up today to the latest technology and innovations in let's say marketing for pharma, sales for pharma, and what's your input on ChatGPT? Okay. So I will answer the first part, which is how what I the technology and I keep it up with the technology. So honestly speaking, or let's say, uh, frankly speaking, it's like when I was working as sales, I didn't, I didn't ever want that a doctor close his door in front of my face, because if you think that I will not add anything to his, let's say practical life or clinical practice, then I will not come actually to visit him. So I have something to, to add. And I wanted him all the time to believe in that. So when I'm being a marketer now, I never close the door in front of any marketing agency to come and speak to me and uh, tell me what's new in the market because they speak with all the marketers across the industry. I don't have the time or chance to speak to all these people in the industry, but they do that because it's their work. So they know the latest trends, they know what's happening and it's one of the easiest way to learn is to learn from your competitors and from your peers inside the same industry. So this is one thing that I never close my door in front of marketing agency. 
even if I will not work with them, but I wanted to know what's the new trend in the market, what's happening with the market, how the people are trying to reach their customer more and more. So this is one part. The second part is that I'm active on social media. So it has good and bad. So whatever the platform, yeah, I might not be participating, but I keep watching. So I keep watching even Pinterest about the new idea of, let's say, the creative. It's all come to get together. There's a new trend in internal decoration. That means it's a new trend of people, flavor of, let's say, design. That means that it's a new trend and that it's all collecting and resulting in something new together. And that keeping up with, keeping up with all the new trends that is really, the, let's say, the life from up to you. So you have to be updated. You have to keep up with all the trends, even political trends, because it gives you, especially with working with multinational companies and covering multi countries, you have to be updated with all the political situation as well. So it's like that. You have to be open to all the resources that is available with your hand. You have to find time to read. You have to find time to watch. So all these trends are really acting as fuel for our thoughts and give you a new perspective, give you a new plot. The second point, which is regarding ChatGPT, I have to say I'm using it mainly in my personal life and professional life. We, so mostly of organization now, they are not really trusting the privacy of ChatGPT. So they banned their employees from using ChatGPT. You don't, you, you cannot write give me an idea of market strategy for this pharmaceutical brand or this brand in this type of customer and this population, because they think still the privacy is not really captured and it's not really proven that it has a private and it can be organizational privacy or brand privacy can be transferred between many organizations. So we are banned from using ChatGPT and I understand this point, but I'm using it in my, let's say life. So. I'm writing a LinkedIn post that I want to target some people out of, let's say, organization that I'm working with, something professional that I believe, and it's my personal opinion. I go to ChatGPT and it's write it in more professional way with uh, the population that I want to influence. Like I decide the age, I decide all of that part. And yeah, I'm using it more personal, all professional network that I have than in my professional life because. It's a company policy, not really we put ChatGPT in place right now. Awesome. Okay. So I have the is going very well, but unfortunately I have just one last question for you. So yeah, if, sure. you, if you had to give some advice to like pharma companies on marketing slash sales energy, what would that? It's you have. To listen and communicate, it's cliche thing, but this is the core job of marketing. You have to listen to your customer, to your sales team, to your, your brand team as well. You have to listen to them. Sometimes we think that marketing has to lead all of that. Yes, we're leading some brand team by influential leadership because it's our management under our management, the brand, but without those people that listening to them, you might get a, an idea and different perspectives that you didn't think of. And communicating. So communication is all about, marketing is all about communication. You have to communicate to the sales team what you're thinking of. So they don't think that this is the dilemma. And let's say between sales and marketing, sales are always thinking that marketing are over the cloud and the marketing always think that sales are really looking just next day or this day only. 
No, it's not like that. We both work together and it's just about the communication between both of us. You have to know what's our objective and why we're doing that and why we're asking for that. And they have to communicate what's the support they need from us. So if you keep listening from your team and from outside, even the organization, from your customer, for sure, from your customer and keep communicating, that will help not to put yourself in silo or put your team in silos and start work on silos. That will never help you as a marketer first to develop your career as a marketing or for the organization. So. Awesome. Thank you for them for this podcast. Hopefully we can meet a year time and re-record this uh, with new insights and uh, knowledge for our listeners. Thank you our sure. listeners uh, for listening to this episode and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.